0: My name is Jenna. Who am I? Sometimes I wonder. I'm an adult. A middle-aged adult. An adult with work to attend and friends to hang out with and an Animorphs podcast to record. I am just an average fan delight. is Book 26, The Attack. The Illamist is back on their bullshit, transporting the Animorphs and Arik the android to an alien planet. The gang is the Illamist champions in a battle bet against Krayak, the egg-eye monster that's been haunting Jake's dream. The fate of the Iskurt race depends on the gang defeating seven Howlers. The Howlers are a synthetic biological creature made by Krayak to murder endlessly. And they have shared memories and think murdering is a game. While mostly fleeing for their lives, the Animorphs discover that the Iskurt are a symbiotic Yurk race species and may someday teach the parasitic Yurks their peaceful ways. Instead of destroying the Howlers, Jake transmits his human memories to them, teaching them to love, thus winning the bet.
1: So, I'm really excited that the Elamist and Krayak set up a space jam situation for the <laughs> fate of the Iskurt.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah, it is that. It is that if, if this feels like a cliche, I'm flashing back to episodes of like Superman, the animated series, where Superman has to be like a champion gladiator on some other planet. It feels very much like that. But maybe Space Jam is the wellspring that all of those episodes f- are flow from.
1: How much of the Space Jam song do you think we could use our intro music before we got DMCA'd.
0: Um, Are we using the actual song or you singing the song while I beatbox? No, it
1: would be the actual song. (laughs) Okay.
0: Um, Fair use is
1: like 30 seconds in a transformative work, right?
0: Oh, that seems like a lot of seconds Mm. for us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
0: Especially that we've argued that nothing we've said is transformative and only canon. Well... I feel like our more canon than canon stands might sink us at that point.
1: We're transforming the canon.
0: Into more canon? Yes. Okay, that's fair.
1: We're transforming it into a Dracon attack
0: canon. <laughs> Which totally exist and are real and we'll definitely see again.
1: <laughs> like everything else in the previous book. But enough uh, about that one. Let's talk about the attack.
0: I, uh, I, I, I am struggling with these books, Brent, because... I really want them to get back to the attack on Earth and their actual, like, main battle. I want them to, to go back to fighting Chapman and Visor Three in their hometown. And we keep getting book after book where they're, like, on a different planet or in the Antarctic or something like that. I, or
1: teeny tiny.
0: Or they're, yeah, or they're fucking... <sighs> fucking microscopic, Brent. I just want them to be back home fighting the good fight.
1: I mean, they are fighting the good fight, though. If the escort die, then then 300 years from now, the Yerks will <sighs> never make contact, and then they'll never figure out, oh, hey, why don't we just bioengineer our way out of this problem? Because we kind of did that with the Vember, and I guess the Hork-Bajir kind of had that thing going on, too. Seems like a pretty common way. How come we never thought of this before?
0: <laughs> yeah, it actually seems like maybe there are a lot of bioengineered organic creatures because uh, this book has two of them, it has the Hellers and the Isk y- Yurt, yort. which is the the two synthetic halves of the Isk Yurt.
1: Yeah, the Isk and the Yurt.
0: Yeah, it just seems like this universe is full of synthetic creatures, and that there, are, if there are enough Yurks who want to not possess bodies, that they could that there are other options. But maybe maybe this goes back to what you were saying about them being like a cult, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're they're the the Yurk invasion army, the quote unquote Yurk Empire, is definitely some sort of death cult.
0: So maybe maybe they just don't even know that there are synthetic options, and they won't know until three hundred years from now when this book actually fucking pays off in universe and they meet the Iskurt.
1: You know, it occurred to me while I was reading this that they could probably short circuit the whole thing by having the Chi create them some synthetic symbiote bodies because we have established the chi can do it and also the chi can generate candrona rays so that's actually almost a better solution
0: yeah this is the second book in the row where eric has been like around and he's actually like almost a character in this one like he goes with them to this planet to get some shit done
1: Mm. He kind of. really regrets having had them throw that pemolite crystal into the ocean because he's ready. I regret ready. It too, Brent. He's fucking ready for his righteous vengeance on the Howlers.
0: Oh, yeah, because the Howlers are the ones that destroyed the Pemalites, their previous owners. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and Eric yeah. is very, very angry about that.
0: Yeah, as he should be. I'm also angry that they threw away that crystal because it was very useful and now it would have been the perfect opportunity. I mean, Eric does a good job helping them as much as he can. But he can't really fight.
1: No, no. But he does know stuff about the howlers. They don't bother to ask him until halfway through the book when they've already had their asses handed to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. They literally don't get any information about the howlers. They literally don't know what the howlers look like until they get attacked by something that's not howlers. And they're like, are these howlers? We're kicking their ass. (laughs) And and Eric is like, no, what? No. But no, they don't get any info, even though that just like right there.
1: The the thing that they're getting attacked by is one of the Escort Guilds, the Warmakers Guild, because the Escort have a weird cross between Ferengi society where hmm. they're all about commerce.
0: Buying and selling.
1: Yeah, and also like some sort of bizarro caste system where they have an entire caste that apparently just mugs people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it just made me think of like every single D&D based game or like Skyrim-esque game where you have to go join the Thieves Guild and they'll give you quests. In this one, you have to like buy the Shoppers Guild and then you can buy stuff. It's like, okay. Right. It's kind of weird.
1: Except in this case, like your ISK determines which guild you are, I suppose. So if you're a war maker, you just go make war. And if you're a magic and superstition, you just verify that a place (laughs) is free of the spirits of fictional characters.
0: That was super weird. Because K.A. chose to put that in. Is that... Is she projecting? Is she haunted by the spirits of the Animorphs?
1: Is this before or after the concept of, like, astrally marrying physical characters was a thing on the internet? Fuck.
0: Fuck. I think before, but also the internet has such depths. I'm certain people were already talking about it.
1: I- I'm wondering if Kay Applegate was aware of that phenomenon when writing this. i put it in as a sly knot.
0: I hope not, because all of the characters in this book are young <laughs> teens. And most of them are coupled off, especially Cassie and Jake, because they kiss in this book.
1: Yes, this is the Cassie and Jake kiss book.
0: Finally. Fucking finally. finally. I mean, they've been, they've been- dancing around tobias and and uh rachel for a while now but like we all know cassie and jake are in it and they finally kiss
1: right then they get all embarrassed afterwards because marco starts clowning on them but literally no one's surprised
0: no it's so sweet i'm glad it happened yeah and i'm glad it didn't get erased through some illimist bullshit which i <laughs> i for a lot of this book thought might be the case
1: I am curious to see whether Jake's howler morph that he acquires comes back Mm. in later books, because as far as I can tell, unless the Illumist did something without telling them to remove it, there's no Sanrio rip thing going on that would cause him to lose access to that morph. And
0: that seems like it might be pretty useful fighting the Erks. I mean it's a good morph it it does one of those howlers does a pretty good job of decimating the anamorphs mm,
1: yeah it takes on all i guess eric doesn't count because he's not fighting so it takes on all six of them mm. and uh they barely escape with their lives
0: so it it seems like a good morph i guess the only thing that would make it tricky is you couldn't really use the howling if you were in a group combat setting because it would hurt your friends as well mm, that's true but even then it seems like it's pretty strong and sturdy yeah and
1: it has that uh that thing that action figures do where you can turn the torso around all of the way and then it spins back around with some sort of kung fu claw slash
0: the old old lazy susan torso yeah
1: i think i had a wolverine action figure that did that (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's weird i mean that i so let's talk about the howlers because the howler okay At at first blush when they explain the Howler's deal, which is that the Howler's don't really understand what they're doing. They don't really mature. They live for three years and then they get recycled. And they perceive the violence and the murder that they're doing as just a fun, playful game. And at first stroke, I thought that was pretty fucked up. But the more I thought about it, the more it seems like them, K.A. calling them children seems disingenuous.
1: Hmm. Explain
0: well, because just because they're young doesn't mean that they're childlike. Just because we see three years old as young doesn't mean that they are young in this alien species. And also the Animorphs are children. So the fact that they see these Howlers as children and feel bad about what they're doing seemed like a kind of a distressing disconnect between their situation and the Howler's situation. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I hadn't thought about that as it relates to them. I just assumed that uh, the children impression was due to the actual like experience of the memories.
0: Maybe. Uh, we get Jake's version of those memories, but we don't really get to see them ourselves. That's fair. I I think there's also just something weird about if the internet has proven one thing to me, it's that people can perceive things as fun and games and to know that they are hurting people And be able to reconcile those two concepts. So the idea that the Howlers think that murder is just a game doesn't necessarily mean that they don't also know that what they're doing is harming people. It just might mean that they don't fucking care.
1: Well, I think we sort of, what what we sort of get here is that Krayak has like a a real micromanaging of their pooled memory. So. Mm. It seems like from from what the book establishes, anytime one of them is injured, he like destroys that howler. Or I guess I should say, um, I should say they, I don't think the giant cyber eye has a gender necessarily that we're aware Hmm. of. I don't think so. So Krayak like destroys that howler before their memory can get back in the pool. So I think this may be a literal situation of the howlers don't even understand the concept of pain. Hmm. And what it feels like to be injured or die, because that they have never been allowed to keep that memory.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. Jake reasons that like the whole motivation behind their final plan is that Jake thinks what would a defective howler be if all they do is murder and kill? A defective howler would be one that sort of questions that or is hesitant. Mm-hmm. So I-, I guess it makes sense. And the whole the whole gist of it is like they only. Get memories from the howlers of them being perfect murder machines, but Jake reasons like no creature can be that one hundred percent of the time. So anytime that they failed by having a moment of pause, the that howler and their memories get just wiped out. This
1: is honestly one of the Animarf's better plans, I think.
0: it yeah, I think it's a it's a good plan and it works out perfectly. I'm proud of them, Brent. Yeah,
1: I know, right. It only took them what twenty six books.
0: Yeah, and I'm certain the next 26 books will be similarly even-keel and responsible plans.
1: Yes, 100%.
0: <laughs> I do like at the end when Jake double-checked the Howler memories by morphing into the Howler, he's like, yeah, one thing got through. It was that time Cassie and I totally kissed, and now 100 <laughs> billion aliens throughout the universe have that memory. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, And then the Howlers, the next time they attempt to conquer a race, will try to kiss them instead of murder them. That's good stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, it's no big deal. I've I've definitely kissed, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely kissed a girl, and it was pretty good. And also, I shared that memory with 100 million aliens. (laughs) And it made them peace-loving.
1: It made them very confused sexually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. That's some good, good story.
1: Yeah, I do. I do quite enjoy that. So the whole weird situation with the Iskert Society is they like deal in memories and also keep trying to trade for people's body parts, which Mm. Marco specifically seems real weirded out by even though they can like lose a kidney and then just morph right back.
0: That was weird. Because in the last book, there's at one point where one of them loses a bunch of teeth and and then morph back. And I in my I when I visualized it in the last book, I was like, okay, those teeth are probably still there because we don't have any evidence that those body parts disappear when they morph back. But also, even if they did, it's a done deal. If you couldn't keep your hands on that human kidney after you get it. That's your <laughs> own fault.
1: Well, so they end up they end up trading some of Rachel's hair and Jenna. I <laughs> I, I want to know your thoughts. What um. What are the escort going to do with Rachel's hair?
0: Her beautiful blonde hair. Uh huh. I mean, we don't really see any evidence that they have hair, right? The escort don't have hair, right? Uh, it's not
1: impossible that one of their casts has hair.
0: That's true. So maybe, maybe they're using her hair to like weave into their hair as decoration. Uh, we okay. also know that they do make synthetic bodies, so oh no, maybe maybe all they <laughs> oh, wanted no. was a little bit of DNA. Oh no, <laughs> I'm picturing like an Aliens Four situation where they made all the Ripley alien hybrids, but it's just Rachel, and also her <laughs> DNA, her hair DNA is all gunked up with like eight other animal DNAs, so oh, it's no. gonna go bad. Oh God <laughs> <laughs> It's not good. There's nothing there's nothing good that they can do with Rachel's hair. Make a little doll out of it.
1: That's bad, Brent. Put it in a keepsake box. Put it, put it in their Animorphs came to visit scrapbook.
0: <laughs> okay, that would be good if they had Lockets and the and and Guide, who which is the name of their guide. Great heavy lifting their KO. <laughs> puts it in a locket to remember the people that made him rich on this planet
1: it would be pretty cute i think if he made a little scrapbook about it and there was uh (laughs) rachel's hair on one of those pages like rachel's first haircut on the escort poem world
0: (laughs) that would be pretty nice my question is is she gonna go back home it because okay they left they left from the barn right cassie's barn uh, yes. They had all gathered there, and then they got teleported by the illimist Okay. Yeah,
1: the Elimist popped Eric in, and then popped them to in space or something, which is different than yeah. Z space. Yes. It's a different letter, so that's how you know it's different. It's described exactly like Z space, but it's in, in dimensional <laughs> space. So, you know, it's that's a different thing for sure.
0: But Cassie arrives at, or Rachel arrives at Cassie's house with long hair, and then when she leaves, it sinks six inches shorter. I guess, I, I guess, in the long run of the things that animorphs have had to lie about, Rachel suddenly having a bob haircut isn't very high. But it is Rachel, and that is kind of surprising. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just imagining thirteen year old me, if I left and then came home one day and I had a different haircut, I think my parents would be concerned.
1: They, they wouldn't be like, what's going on with your hair? And then you'd answer, oh, yeah, uh, my friend Rachel, and my, my friend Cassie and I decided to cut it.
0: Oof. I mean, as Rachel points out, Cassie compliments her hair, but Rachel's like, whatever, you wear shit jeans. I don't know. She makes some sort of weird offhand remark about Cassie's fashion. I
1: want to say something about L.L. Bean.
0: It was something about L.L. Bean, (laughs) but I couldn't make that memory work. (laughs) It just seems weird to me. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess in the long stream of things, that's a pretty minor thing to lie about. But also, hey, Eric used the option to... Fuck. Eric uses the moment to name drop Catherine the Great, who he used to cut the hair of.
1: You know, this guy... (laughs) claims to have participated in building the pyramids, claims to have been Beethoven's valet. I, I really, he's just making this shit up. We're pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure of that.
0: It's just like every fucking book with this guy. He's like, oh, I don't know if I've mentioned. I used to shoe shine Abraham Lincoln's shoes. Like, okay, Arik, fucking chill out.
1: <laughs> I was Abe Lincoln's personal top hat wrangler. <laughs> I fought on both sides in the Civil War. Wait.
0: <laughs> no, Arik, no. It's just like, you can't ever prove it, and you can't ever disprove it. So, like, great job, Arik. You cut Rachel's hair real good because you used to cut Catherine the Great's. Whatever.
1: Ugh. You are only familiar with extremely old fashioned styles, Arik.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they had a lot of bobs in Catherine the Great's time. I don't even know what else happened in this book. I don't know. The book made me salty. I just want them to be back on Earth doing Earth stuff.
1: See, I really liked this book, though.
0: Yeah, Brent, lay it on me. Well, like, the last
1: two before this were pretty dire. And before that, it was the David trilogy, which was ultra mega dark.
0: Yeah, super, super dire.
1: Uh, And also upsetting for me because of the characterization. This one introduced the, the fucking giant red mechanical eye that we had teased back when Jake had a Yerk die in his head. And it's got Space Jam. And it's got Jake and Cassie kiss. And it's got potentially a real cool, like, fighting alien combat morph that they didn't go out of their way to say, no, they actually can't use this ever again, like they've done with all the other super cool atypical morphs that they have acquired previously. The only thing, actually, that I did not care for in this book is that... No one has talked about Tobias Fangor's lineage oh, situation God, since that man. book, but Jake knows, which means Tobias Fangor has told them. Fuck. Presumably Axe knows as well?
0: There's a chance that only Jake knows. And we don't get we don't get that information. Jake just offhand mentions that Elfangor is Tobias' dad. And when I read that, I had to stop reading again I had to stop and be like fuck that's right that's canon that's in these books mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's a there is a chance that the rest of the group doesn't know it just seems unlikely because he didn't mention that which means yeah Axe and Tobias know that they're half brothers
1: no is that right no no Axe no, Ax is Tobias's Ax, Ax, uncle. Ax
0: uncle that's right so that's I can't believe we missed out on that conversation, and now nobody's talking about it?
1: God, we were fucking robbed of that interaction. I wanted <sighs> it so bad, I wanted to read Tobias trying to explain how that shit works.
0: Yeah, and the rest of the Animorphs being like, yeah, whatever, Tobias. Oh, you have a pawpaw all ha 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 ha. I want the rest of the Animorphs to have the reaction I had.
1: Wait, so you're saying it, it didn't involve Z-Space? <laughs> it was the alamist what done it. That I, that doesn't seem... Are you sure Z-Space wasn't involved?
0: <sighs> and I want Tobias to be like, Isn't that right, Uncle Axe? And then Axe is like, Don't call me uncle. And then Jake is just... It's just a pan to Jake's face <laughs> as he looks <laughs> right into the camera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he slowly leans out from the corner of the frame with his hands up in a Who, me? type gesture. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'll say this for the book: I thought it was very well written. It was engaging, and I liked reading it. It just feels like we take all of these weird field trips away from the main plot, and I just want to get back to the main plot.
1: So, like, your complaint is more about the placing in series of this event rather than the book itself.
0: Yes, I think if this happened a couple books, like if they had a couple of books where they were back in. San Diego or whatever city they're at and doing home based sort of stuff, touching in, getting a feel for what that is like. I, I think it would have been a more okay with this book. It's just like, I just want to know what's happening at home.
1: I mean, I guess that's fair. I think a big part of what I really liked about this book is that stuff actually happened, unlike uh, in the extreme, where <laughs> mostly they just wandered around the Arctic and there wasn't anything to look at and nothing changed. And they just sort of starved and froze in sequence. This one, there actually was stuff going on and they got up because it's time to slam now. Come on, Brent. Welcome to the Space Jam.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do think that, yeah, a lot more happened in this book. It's a really great... Setup up that they have where they fight one howler and get their asses handed to them and then have to ki- kind of immediately realize, okay, this must not be a straight on battle. The Illamist wouldn't have chosen us if all it was supposed to be was a one on one fight. He wouldn't have had us bring a reek. There must be something else happening. Like, they- I think the process that they go through to come to those conclusions are really interesting. Uh, I just want to be back home. I just want to have to check in on the skunk babies and talk to Tom and be back with the school.
1: I mean, yeah, I can see that. Maybe the next one will we'll get you what you're looking for.
0: We'll see. Um, What else do we have to talk about in this book?
1: So I was really certain for a couple pages at the very beginning, the first time the Illamist showed up, that it was actually some other being impersonating the Illamist because the behavior there was did not seem typical for that character slash galactic force. Really? Yeah, and that didn't turn out to be true, but man, could have been a real cool plot. I thought it was going to be Krayak impersonating the Elimist.
0: There is a part at the very beginning where they... Jake is talking about how uncomfortable and afraid they all are talking to Elimist, and I... At first I thought that was kind of weird, because the Illamist has only ever really done good stuff for them. Like, he's gotten them out of jams, he's... Uh, gave Tobias morphing back, which, as we talked about, is some shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, did did we talk about that on air?
0: No, but we should.
1: Yes, my god, okay. Jake has correctly perceived in this book that the Elemis did not cheat Tobias Fangor. I'm, I'm calling him <laughs> that from now on because that is canon.
0: Yeah, everybody forgets that's his real last name, Tobias Fangor.
1: Um. Yeah, the Erks know now.
0: <laughs>
1: um he he's correctly perceived that that the elamist promised to give Tobias what he wanted and he did it's Rachel that can't accept that Tobias has chosen to remain a hawk
0: even though it means never having a really normal or substantive relationship with her mm-hmm. romantic relationship i should say yes that was so astute and kind of surprising to hear Jake just sort of put out there
1: a lot of the other pov books the characters talk about how jake sort of knows his team and how to use them like in the last book when he sent cassie to go break the news to marco that they'd vetted marion before their big date yeah um or like when he (laughs) told axe to go get rachel because we might have to do something like unforgivable yeah Uh, i think he just doesn't talk it up himself a lot. I think we've seen a lot of this perceptiveness before. It's just that we've seen it through the eyes of the other POV characters. When it's Jake's POV, he doesn't really usually make a point of bringing it up.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I think we saw it, especially in the David trilogy, is that he is actually very astute. He doesn't even seem to be aware of his own astuteness like everybody else's. Like, I think even Cassie has a pretty good understanding of her ability to sidle up and sort of de-escalate situations, which we see her do a couple of times. Jake doesn't seem to be quite as aware, like he's always talking about how he doesn't know why he's the leader. That's why, because he knows what to do. Yeah, it took us
1: many, many books for that to become really apparent and ingrained.
0: And I think you're right. It's really only become apparent through what other people have been saying about his leadership which is good. That's some fucking good writing. Yeah,
1: honestly, it took me a bit to pick pick it out, but that's because KA Applegate has been showing it through the decisions he makes rather than the things that he says.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting way to use a series that has multiple POVs, especially a long-term series where you get multiple POVs from other characters. You can sort of hone in on other people's interpretations of the characters that those characters themselves are unaware of. And that's fascinating
1: dang it makes me real sad about Rachel and Tobias though
0: oh my god right Tobias uh, you've got some issues buddy
1: he really does and it seems like he and Rachel have just sort of agreed not to talk about it
0: mm. it's a bad way to set up that relationship
1: yeah it may be time for her to move on
0: oh no I'm
1: not ready for that I'm I'm not either but obviously this is not healthy for her
0: no, I mean, it's not healthy for Tobias either. But I don't think he'll ever not be a hawk. Yeah, like, I don't think he'll ever commit to being human again.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Um, Is there anything else that happens in this book that we should talk about?
1: Yeah. Um. So the Elmist tells them that Krayak and the Elmist fought in like a head to head, all out hot war at some point eons ago, and it destroyed <laughs> a lot of species. And I I wonder if that's not part of the reason why so many planets in the galaxy seem to have only like a handful of native fauna and Hmm. why like a lot of the aliens that we've run into have been bioengineered.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Like their battle created a vacuum in the galactic ecosystem that people had to fill. Yeah. I could see that. I like that actually as a a world building sort of illness that other creatures have been reacting to.
1: I mean, I... I do count the Andalites as bioengineered in this instance, since of course. we have established as more canon than canon that they designed their own forms via incomplete morphs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, probably their original homeworld, as we recall, was a moving homeworld. It probably got destroyed. And then what are you going to do? Readapt. Exactly.
1: It's probably why their arms are always described as a little weak, because they're just sort of halfway in between turning into arms.
0: Yeah, they just need hands. The arm parts aren't as useful. It's really the hands, hands that, that's where the energies are at. With
1: the long fingers.
0: I mean, why would you say it like that? But yes.
1: <laughs> Mostly just to make you uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> uh, is there anything else?
1: Just that, like, at the very beginning of this book, Rachel nearly broke some dude's finger because he was trying to hold (sighs) hands with her at the Lion King assembly. And that's so great because Rachel fucking rules.
0: Yeah, Rachel's the fucking best. And he was like, you almost broke
1: my finger. And she's like, almost. (laughs) Come back over (laughs) here and I'll finish the job.
0: Yeah, and it's clear like he was trying to quote hold her hand for an extended period of time. I like that Marco, or I think it's yeah, it must have been Jake because it's a Jake POV. I like that Jake looks over and she has this sort of dreamy look on his face, and Jake's like, "That means she's about to hurt somebody." (laughs) Yes, (laughs) like
1: (laughs) yes, Jake's like, you know, I'm aware that look means that she's dreaming about which of his fingers she's gonna break off. (laughs)
0: Yeah, a great Rachel moment and a great Jake moment to be able to interpret that look.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they've had 26 books and several side stories now. They're all very close.
0: You know what? We're also very close to the halfway point, Brent. That's true. I just wanted to put that out there because I feel feel proud of us. And uh, I feel like we've got a lot of ways to go, but we've we've done a pretty good job so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of us, but at the same time, uh, a little sad because... I mean, you've reminded me that this will come to an end.
0: Eventually, all things come to an end, and then we'll have to do a different podcast.
1: Yeah, all right. I'm down for it. Cool. Thanks for listening to Fandalites. Um, We really always love having everyone tune in. Uh, You can hit us up if you've got any commentary or questions at Fandalites on Twitter, Fandalites at gmail.com, Fandalites at tumblr.com. Our website is www.Fandalites.com. Thanks to Dustin O'Dell for the use of his music for our intro and outro theme. Uh, You can find his stuff at DustinO'Dell.Bandcamp.com. If we end up using it, thanks to whoever owns the rights to the Space Jam song for the fair use provision that we will abuse to get it. Uh, Next week, we will be reading Book 27?
0: Book 27, The Exposed.
1: The cover's got Rachel turning into a squid, which is... Pretty wild. The
0: exposed.
1: The exposed, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I think that's another ghost written one.
0: I think so, yeah, I think so.
1: So that'll do it for this week. And until next time, remember, Michael's secret stuff was water all along. The talent <laughs> was inside you. Come on,